You're listening to PlayStation Unchained. Hello, listeners. That's not Mike Heritage you're hearing, so please don't go away. <laughs> this is uh, this is Kyle Prawl with Station Universe hosting the U.S. edition of the PlayStation Unchained podcast. Super exciting. Although, guys, um, I think you need to we need to all have a moment of silence. We'll bow our heads and remember what we've lost. Chili. Thank you for playing along with that. I really appreciate. <laughs> I really appreciate the th- the silent enthusiasm. All right, how's everyone doing? Good. All at once. <laughs> All right. Uh, with me this Wednesday evening. Uh, you're listening to this way later than we're recording it, thanks to timing schedules. But we have Love Plus historian, Oremo scholar, and Hatsune Miku roadie, Ernest Lin. What's up, yeah. buddy? Yep. How's it going? All those things, I guess. <laughs> you are, you're three blocks from me right now. I am three that's, blocks from you. That's the weird thing. You know, the sound quality is so good on all of our mics that listeners at home seriously can't even tell we're doing this over Skype. So, the surprising well, now thing... now they know, so... <laughs> the surprising Spoilers. thing, Ernest and I are super close, so I hope everything is going well for you over there on uh, Washington Avenue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> also with me is Dat Will Robinson. What's up, yeah. dude? Danger yeah. Will Robinson. Yes. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I still have no like. I hear that reference all the time. Like every time I've ever like told somebody your name, oh, Danger Will Robinson. I've never seen that movie. Just straight up, like I don't understand that context at all. Yeah. Movie came out like a year after I was born, so my parents are just like, shit. <laughs> what do you but, think they would have named you otherwise? I don't know. I knew well. I well. No, I'm not going to say that. I was going to say I knew what my uh, name would be if I was a girl, but I'm really curious. Is there? Well, maybe later. Uh, but no, want to say it the TV series people. ended, and then my parents were like, oh, we can name him Will, and then the movie came out. Then, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> also with me today is the indomitable trophy hunter, Tim Newens. Hello. Welcome back to the podcast. Hey, Thank Tim. You. How's this trophy marathon going for you? Um, It's more like a crack addiction, really. <laughs> I was, uh, was going to say, you don't have to be shy. It's it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, I, I've been trying to... Well, uh, well, uh, hunting these trophies, I've been trying to find ways to concentrate it, grind it down, and then put it straight into my veins, but it's not working. How do you convince yourself to just kind of sit that, there and play ch- shitty games for trophies? <laughs> <laughs> That's really the magic of it. You kind of stop thinking. Uh, but I've been kind of going back and forth between good and bad games. Like I just played... Uh, whatever, I played some bad game, and then I played... Uh, Super Frog? bad, you had to black it out. Was it Super it, Frog HD? No, it was Frogger HD, actually. Oh, that's not terrible. I even yeah. played that for the trophies. By the way, everybody, four trophies, half an hour, three of them gold. Anyway. <laughs> I thought they were all gold. Or was one silver? The first one silver. Man, that game is ridiculous. Also, if you want to get, uh, just quick things, if you want to get the MLB 13 show uh, Home Run Derby, in literally a minute and a half, you can get three golds and a silver. <laughs> True story. Right. There you go. That's how you're going to beat the record and win this trophy tournament for us. Which all these say, Tim, if, say if we on weren't team. opposing teams, I have a I have a trophy secret for you that might help you out, but I don't know if I want to share. Cause I wonder if I've already like, done it. We'll be able to get like 60 silver trophies in like an hour. I wonder if I've already done it. 
Have you, is it the have sound you played shapes? Sound is Shapes DLC? Because then you've got it. I just did the Sound Sound Shapes DLC, and I'm planning on uploading the stuff this evening. So I'm gonna get doubled. I'm so glad to have you on my team because I'm literally just like. So for all the <laughs> listeners who made anything, yeah. hopefully some of our listeners are co- I know are coming from the forums because they would know that our our own Lasombra Dane Smith is doing this uh, really uh, super long, super gauntlet trophy tournament. So definitely a pimp for that. It's already started. You can't get into it now, but we're going. We're going hard, except for it's me. It's not so much of a gauntlet as it is a slaughter now that Dan is <laughs> Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I'm so glad for that because like, I've, <laughs> I've, I've earned approximately one bronze trophy in the last uh, week. You, you I've been getting probably an average of a bronze trophy every five minutes. <laughs> this, this, these last two weeks have been incredible. All right, so let's move along with our little uh, schedule here just so we make... So, we're doing this thing now with our rebooted podcast, PlayStation Unchained, where we do it hard schedule every two weeks. We know a lot of you listeners wanted to hear more of us, and we're sorry for all those delays. So, in keeping with that tradition, uh, we've got a little bit of news to catch up on, some big stories from the last week or so. So, I'm going to rattle through these, and I'm going to call on... I'm just going to blast you guys with a couple questions after I hit each story. You guys ready? Mm -hmm. Alright, number one. Sony is handing out PS4 dev kits like candy. Development sources speaking to Polygon have claimed that Sony is uh, disturbing distributing PlayStation 4 kits like candy. Sources revealed the units clock in at $2,500, but developers are stating that Sony is also loaning them on a one-year basis and pretty freely. They want to put in the hands of lots of, lots of indie developers. Tim, does Sony need to do this? It's a good way to start, especially if they're doing this on these year loans. Also, if mm-hmm. Sony is listening, I like candy. <laughs> I don't think Sony's going to give you a dev kit, though. You try. But hey, you could I'm make a Kickstarter. I'm collecting all of their trophies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, seriously, you could start a Kickstarter for Tim the Trophy Hunter. You could actually, it'd be kind of like a metagame, right? Like, you'd be, I don't know, your basic platformer, have trophies be the collectible, and as you earn them, you could have each trophy that you pick up in the game correspond you, to... You're doing the work for me, this is awesome. Profile. Yeah, maybe I should just make the Kickstarter. <laughs> but yeah, Sony's, uh, Sony's indie support is continuing like crazy. We've got lots of developers super happy about that, signing on and voicing their pleasure. I said it's definitely a great thing. It's going to work out really well, and with some of the indie games that are coming out on the PS4, mm-hmm. I've actually never been super excited about uh, like PSN games, uh, but literally, what are the the six that were revealed at uh, E3? Five yeah, of them had sure. my interest. Yeah, and all those on stage too, giving those developers attention. Um, I think oh, that yeah. uh, uh, it's we're going to see a lot of kind of unique experience coming out of that. I think Microsoft nailed some of those indie guys early and kind of said, "Okay, we have Braid before anyone. We have Limbo. We have Bastion." And you know, just by nature of maybe talking to those developers earlier, Sony can hopefully turn the tables and score some of those hits this time around. Alright, next story. Mega Man Legends 1 and 2. Oh, this is dear to my heart. Mega Man Legends 1 and 2 could still come to PSN, says Capcom. Uh, more importantly, Capcom's community liaison, Greg Moore, has shed a bit more light on the 2011 cancellation of Mega Man Legends 3. He also raised hope that prior series installments, uh, Legends, Legends 2, and The Misadventures of Tron Bon, could still come to the store as P- PS1 classics, in which case, I will be super excited. Um, but will! Why haven't you played Mega Man Legends yet? Well, I never owned a PlayStation 1, so... Mm-hmm. That's kind of it right there. You do know... Well, I don't even know if I should mention the other... The system that I got over the... Will the, bought an Ouya. I did. I bought an Ouya. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> so now I can, you know, I've got, I've got yeah. emulators running on that, so now's my chance to play Mega Man Legends. Exactly, there you go. You're playing so. Brave Fencer Musashiden over the weekend. How's that going? Did you beat that game yet? Well, I'm, I'm playing Brave Fencer Musashi. Yeah, but the but title, the logo says Musashiden. Not the... What are you looking at? I'll just look back at it. Restart the game. I know what I saw. Maybe it's... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Next story! <laughs> PS Vita cannot be used as a second PS4 controller by default. President of Sony Worldwide Studios Shuhei Yoshida has confirmed that the PS Vita will not be able to be used as a second controller for PS4 unless it's specifically programmed by the developers. That's not at all a surprise to me. Um, I think that you know some people can maybe confuse that with what remote play is, but those two aren't the same things. This is talking about using your Vita as you know a substitute for a DualShock 4 playing on your big TV. But Ernest... Why the hell would you ever want to do that anyway? Uh, save money, so I don't have to buy a second controller. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea, actually. Yeah. Uh, do you have a pre-order down on a second DualShock 4? Uh, I don't, but my roommate is getting a PS4 as well, so, you know, we'll have two in the house. Well, that you're just set then, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, uh, I, mean, I guess I, I don't I was already I was already uh, looking at the next story and, and already getting kind of peeved. Um, Square has confirmed that Kingdom Hearts 3 will not be the last game in the series. And this is not news. This is absolutely not news. Um, Tetsuya Nomura confirmed this in 2011, but in, you know, in an interview he's always kind of said that Kingdom Hearts 3 is just the end of the Xehanort saga that comprises the, tr- the series so far. But mainstream news outlets don't necessarily notice that. So, Tim, are you excited for Kingdom Hearts HD 1.5 Remix? Yes, because two of the games on there I've not played. <laughs> oh, you haven't played Chain of Memories, I assume. I have not, and I haven't played that 358, whatever. Is that That's the... Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or is that really the official... Is that how it's officially said? It is three. It is officially said 358 over two days. Or no, okay. it might actually be 358 days over two. Uh, huh. I can't believe I don't know this. That's sad. <laughs> I, but it's a point, Kyle. <laughs> well, Tim, there's there's good trophies there. Although I did see it's going to take three. The difficulty trophies don't stack, so you'll have to play through like Kingdom Hearts Ugh. one at least three times. To My get soul. Platinum. Yeah, you'll still <laughs> might as well be Shadows of the Damned. <laughs> Was that the same way? Oh, every time I played through on the hardest difficulty to try to save myself some time. Nope. That's Suda Fifty One. He, uh, it's like The Last of Us now, too. Don't you have to play it three, four times? Nope. Uh, you have no, to do like no, normal nope, nope. and then they the stack. They stack. I thought they didn't. I thought um, you had to do, well, you have to unlock hard by playing on normal yeah. and then you have to do, do a you guys plus. want trophy? So you have to do hard and then you have to do plus. Tim, bestow your knowledge because it doesn't matter. <laughs> These guys won't catch up to you. Do you guys want Neither trophy hints? Because I platinum that game already. Shit, did really? You? God Boom. damn. I did. Um, okay, uh, as you know, you have to play through hard to unlock Survivor. Yeah. Um, but once you've finished your hard mode, no, you, you just can have to go, play through normal to unlock you survivor. Can, um, regardless, but you have to. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I guess you could do it that way if you really want to. It's a good way to do it. Um, but once you're done, um, go into your new game plus, begin the first thing, uh, begin the first chapter, mm-hmm. and after you're done with the first chapter, leave the leave the game entirely. Delete the update, like the 1.02 update. I think is where it's at right now. And then go back into the game. No, this is not hacks. <laughs> Holy <laughs> they, they, they shit, fi- Joel! <laughs> <laughs> they fix this for a reason, but uh, you can go back into the game and do chapter select, start on the first one, and switch it automatically to Survivor, so it's Survivor Plus. And when you're finished with that, it will count as for Survivor as well. That's so you really only have to play through it twice. 
if you can get how, all the collectibles. How was playing through it on Survivor? <laughs> you know the sneaking missions and you know the sneaking points in like Uncharted in the Uncharted series. They were only a little bit more complicated than that. Oh, and really? I and th- this is coming from a guy who has played Metal Gear Solid for over a decade. So sneaking is kind of just one of the things I do. Don't like, you have the big boss? Too. Don't you have the big boss uh, like emblem or rank in MGS4? Yep, and I have to do it again for oh, the platinum. God. Oh, because you, you, yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah, that's right. You did everything for the platinum before they patched the trophies in. Oh, My soul. <laughs> so I got to uh, do it again, but it's going to be a lot easier because I know how to do it. How many times do you have to replay that? I thought it was like a minimum of four or something. What Metal Gear Solid Four? Yeah. Like how many to get everything, it's a minimum of seven playthroughs. Oh, seven. God, that's why. So that's I if you collect everything. Good talk. I'm at. I'm on my fourth one. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> all <laughs> right. Talk about Kingdom Hearts. Now we have something. Yeah, Kingdom Hearts. I uh, can't wait for that. But we have some rather alarming news to put on top of that. The PS4 party chat is free. That's been confirmed, and the friends list is now up from 100 to not 200, not even 300. 2,000! Will, how many friends do you have? I didn't well, mean Like, the PlayStations? The PlayStation space? I've got, like, five or six. How many do you have in real life? And would it fill the 2,000 friend list cap? If I scraped around for everyone that I have ever... <laughs> have ever known friend, or interacted with? Probably. Yeah. Maybe, but... Not um, anybody I'd really want to talk to on a consistent basis. <laughs> you know, what's kind of exciting, I mean, this is sort of, to me, this is exciting and a little detrimental at the same time, because I like the idea that I'll be able to kind of just probably shoehorn my Facebook friends. I'm sure there's going to be some automatic connection there, but also just anyone. I don't have to worry about limits. Not that it was a problem before, but on the downside, I imagine that this is just going to force me to automatically have to turn off, like, friends list updates, or else it's just going to be dinging all the time. So it kind of defeats... It's just ridiculous. Yeah, it kind of defeats its purpose after a while. I think it's just like, you want more candies? Here's 2,000 pieces, Tim. I'm a person that just like does like routine cleanups of like friends on Facebook or whatever. Like I go go down to like 60 like every year or so. Mm -hmm. Like I just clean it up because I know there's people I'll never talk to again. So like I didn't have a problem with the old number for friends list and 2,000 is just absurd for me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Somebody will fill it. Yeah, somebody will. If they allow me to completely organize my <laughs> friends list according to, like, games or, like, some sort of, like, feature that I... Or sort of, like, folder that I can organize myself, I'll be totally fine with 2,000. be interesting if they'd let you only yeah. receive updates about a certain group of them, like 20 or 30, that yeah. telling you when they're online and offline. But, yeah, we'll see what happens come... Um, I'm feeling November. <laughs> I'm just yeah. feeling it. Mm, yeah, I'm feeling that November release date. Yeah, girl. Before that happens, Hatsune Miku Project Diva F will be out in the United States. Uh, there is a GameStop exclusive pre-order bonus. Gamers will receive two Snow Miku 2013 in-game costumes, along with a custom PS3 Hatsune Miku theme with ten unique backgrounds. Ernest, how long will it take for those backgrounds to have moved to yourself? Oh, probably the day of release or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Are you? No, honestly though, you're excited for Hatsune Miku to come to the West? Yeah, it's a it's a big step for uh, like rhythm games and import games to see something like that come over here. Have you already played this? Like the import version? That seems sounds familiar to me. Yeah, the very f- yeah the Vita version's been out for almost a year now, mm-hmm. and I got that on release. So I've been playing it for, you could say, like a year. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And you've totally mastered it, you've gotten all the trophies, you've just rocked that shit, right? No, I, I, I gotta figure out what the trophies are. I, 
Oh, my Japanese is not that good. Because, yeah. So I have to look it up. But oh, they must you. not be easy to get because I've gotten, like, unlocked all the songs and, you know, gotten a lot of high scores and stuff and still only have maybe a few of the trophies. Mm, I see. Well, you'll get your chance when the U.S. version comes. That's uh, September? August. Oh, even August 27th, yeah. Very cool. Coming at the tail end of the summer drought. Mm-hmm. Okay. Our next story. <laughs> Sony announces a Blu-ray successor... Uh, is in development and due by the end of 2015. Uh, t- according to early reports, the new format will feature a recording capacity of at least, quote-unquote, at least 300 gigabytes, a significant increase over Blu-ray's already meaty 50 gigabyte storage. Optical discs have excellent properties to protect them against the environment, such as dust resistance and weather- water resistance, said Sony. Tim! Ray Osorio from Twitter asks, Do you think the new disc format Sony and Panasonic are working on will be used in the next generation? Of consoles? Yes. Or so, just yeah, media in general? Uh, I believe So he's saying, uh, will this new disc format be usable on PS4? And, uh, you know, I think the obvious answer to that is, is no, at least at first, because they've released the system specs and this only plays, you know, Blu-ray discs. But do you think maybe a PS4 redesign in the next maybe four or five years could see a new type of optical disk drive? The fanboys would be pissed. Uh, I don't see that. That seems like a really bad idea. Sounds expensive. Uh, Yeah, and I don't think games will get that big. What I feel, at least for uh, uh, gaming purposes, I feel like the Blu-ray will just keep adding layers. Which I think at this point it's at 100 gigs for like dual layers, and I'm pretty sure the laser for the PS4 is going to be sophisticated enough to read those. Um, so, in terms of like the PS4, I really, even with the high-end graphics of it, I don't feel like it would need any more than 100 gigs. So, not until PS5. You def- could, I, yeah. could I chime in and just say, um, also I think the big thing would be this new format would have a slower I would assume it might have a slower read speed mm-hmm. if it's anything like the pattern we've seen from like CD, DVD, and Blu-ray that it would be a much slower read speed than what would be capable for Blu-ray drives at the time of this new format's release. It's interesting that you bring that up because it calls to mind just the reality that we faced on PS3 with having to install a lot of our games to the disk drive to you know, uh keep up with that kind of slower read speed and, and say, okay, now you're just loading directly from the hard drive. Uh, so yeah, I definitely don't want them to kind of step backwards and and add something expensive and also maybe have to deal with <laughs> higher latency on top of uh, GDDR5, which is a bit higher latency than uh, DDR3, if I'm correct about that mm-hmm. technical side. So our next bit of news. Bioshock Infinite Burial at Sea and Clash in the Clouds DLC has been unveiled. Uh, Clash in the Clouds DLC is actually already out. came out yesterday with the North American PlayStation Store update. Um, but Irrational Games announced the p- post-launch expansion for Bioshock Infinite. So in Clash of the Clouds, you're armed with firearms, vigors, and tears. Players will battle it out in four new areas inspired by Bioshock Infinite's campaign. So it sounds like a wave-based sort of... Uh, arena or coliseum type mode, horde mode if you will. In addition, Irrational Games has also revealed plans to release the expansion Burial at Sea, a new two-part campaign featuring a fresh quest for Booker and Elizabeth set in Bioshock's underwater metropolis of Rapture. So, avoiding um, any kind of story spoilers from Infinite, this is super interesting that they're going to uh, Rapture for this DLC. Uh, Will, I know you were talking about going back to Bioshock Infinite, so how excited are you for this kind of retro infusion? I am very excited. Mm. Yeah, like, I didn't really I didn't really know much about it 
not even a little while ago. It's like just today I started looking at stuff. But yeah, for sure, this announcement. In fact, but, they just announced it yesterday. They one of those rare instances where they said, "Hey, mm-hmm. Clash of the Clouds is something that in de- it's in development, and it's also coming out this afternoon." Yeah, I mean that like that deals looks. I mean that'd be interesting. I don't know if I'll pick that one up, but it's only mm-hmm. five bucks, right, for that. Yeah, I might end up getting that eventually. But I love that they're taking the new characters and putting like a new well Elizabeth for sure given the trailer has a completely new like persona yeah but like going into that and just like revisiting Rapture and like it's supposed to take place on the day of uh the fall of Rapture yeah I think that'll be a super interesting angle and I mean that'll be a really cool lead up and it'd be awesome too to know like if they're gonna make like how it'll progress if it'll be like the cycle where you can start playing Bioshock 1 and then go into 2 and then Infinite and then you play that DLC and then you can just jump right back into 1. Mm, yeah, for sure. That'd be I mean that'd be really cool if they're able to do it. I don't doubt that they wouldn't that Ken Levine wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah. I mean, just a question of whether they're thinking about it and whether they actually want that to be the direction. Yeah. So like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, just as long as they have like I mean, they have the same cast going into the DLC, right? I believe. I mean, yeah, I can't yeah, imagine awesome. they wouldn't change it. Yeah. yeah, I have no doubts that it'll be just exceptional. But Yeah, I agree. I'm really excited for that to come. Hopefully we don't have to wait too long, uh, because mm-hmm. I really think that seeing Rapture devolve into some of that derangement is going to be yes. almost a little scarier than it already being there. You know, you're going to get to see people just, like, totally lose their minds and be like, holy crap, we've been living at the bottom of the ocean for years. <laughs> what are we and doing? And I want to see how they introduce... Uh, big daddies in that, or if they have them already in the world before, like, I mean, if they're already around, just kind of, like, hanging out. Yeah, for sure. And then they start, like, going into that, or, like, how the little sisters and the big daddies will play a role into the utopia before it crumbles, mm-hmm. and the and how they transition into being these kind of feared entities there. I like that. So we're so. gonna, we're gonna skip, or I'll just, I'll rattle through a few stories to kind of catch up with the times. Uh, EverQuest Next, the third EverQuest MMO, is should be getting a reveal on Friday. Oh, the SOE Live event. So Sony Online Entertainment is having its 2013 event on Friday, and rumors are building that we could receive confirmation and a full-blown reveal for EverQuest next. Now, there are also rumors saying that this could come to PS4, because, I mean, let's let's look at the facts here. Planetside 2 is coming to PS4. Uh, DC Universe Online is coming to PS4. That engine, that technology, it's completely possible on PS4 architecture. So that would be really, really cool to see EverQuest come to PS4, possibly as a free-to-play MMO, and maybe even at or near launch or early 2014 to compete with Elder Scrolls Online. Elder Scrolls Online, the official account, they tweeted back at me the other day, actually, when I was like complaining about not knowing the pricing model yet. They were like, it took a day for them. I was like, oh, when are we ever going to see what this game's going to cost? And they're like, oh, please stay with us a little longer. We'll announce it whenever they're ready. And <laughs> then I felt bad. <laughs> it's, easy, it's easy to forget that people are reading your tweets sometimes, but I never say anything nasty to people. Uh, Call of Duty Ghosts multiplayer reveal targets August 14th, so we're going to get a super big multiplayer reveal, probably some new trailers, a gameplay, just really kind of this blowout showing what's new for Call of Duty, what they're doing to make Ghosts interesting, revitalize the series. Ernest, really quickly, what are you hoping to see from that? Really, just seeing how they'll try and mix things up more. Mm-hmm. You know, for their pr- progress series, see if they're gonna uh, maybe cater to ways they can appeal to esports. I know that's been something they've been really gunning to break into. Mm. Haven't they already broken into that pretty extensively? I don't think enough, or you know, to the level that they want. Sure. Um, it's no like League of Legends, and I don't 
at least among a lot of the esports community, I don't think they take it quite seriously yet. Okay, I got you. Mm. I understand. Yeah, that would be cool to see that rise up, especially now that we're moving into the PS4 <laughs> and Xbox One, where streaming your gameplay is going to be really, really easy. So we might see some exactly. amateurs showing off their skills and whatever else. So next story, Red Dead Redemption. We're getting really close now to the modern modern day. Red Dead Redemption sequel hinted by Take Two. Speaking during an earnings call, Take Two Big Cheese. <laughs> this Mike's article. Uh, I love reading his stuff in the morning because I get a little bit of that that uh, that British slang. You know, that kind of stuff we don't use over here, and I get to see. Oh, that's that's funny. That's quirky. That's 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 nice. So British. That's nice. <laughs> Strauss Zelnick revealed that the company is aiming to try to create permanent franchises before citing the Bioshock, Borderlands, and Red Dead series. Strauss said, uh, "You move on to the next thing. It's also been our goal to not just preserve and grow the GTA franchise, but also to build other franchises that we think can be permanent. Whether that's the Red Dead franchise or Borderlands or blah 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 blah. So, basically, it could be a slip. I mean, he could be kind of saying that Rockstar has a vision." for a Red Dead sequel kind of in the works or maybe it was he was just saying it hypothetically like this is something that could be permanent because of its popularity either way that would be really cool to see I liked Red Dead Redemption although wasn't my favorite Rockstar game of the generation uh, by the way Max Payne 3 is $8 on PSN right now mm-hmm. that's a great story <laughs> that is a great game that is a fantastic game yeah really enjoyed that one and man $8 eight eight Tim, there are like Square mm. Enix iOS crappy remakes for like fifteen dollars, right? Uh, like, what are they uh, doing? Not getting my money is what they're doing. Not doing it right. That's the problem. Uh, Batman Arkham Origins <laughs> multiplayer revealed. In some unexpected news, uh, it turns out that Arkham Origins will feature a brand new multiplayer mode with a twist, titled in- "Invisible Predator Online." It's a 3v3v2 mode that pits Joker's thugs against Bane's thugs, as well as Batman and Robin. It all sounds confusing, but blah, blah, blah. Uh, Mike breaks it down on the homepage, so check out that article. Um, I'm not as excited for Arkham Origins as I had hoped I would be. I don't know if that's like franchise fatigue or maybe just thinking, okay, this is probably going to be very similar to what we've seen before, which wouldn't be a bad thing. I mean, more Batman is more Batman, but um, it just makes me wonder what Rocksteady's doing, you know? What do you guys think? What's oh, Rocksteady mm-hmm. working on? New IP, maybe. Yeah, you'd hope so. Although I wonder if it would be mm-hmm. a superhero IP or they'd break into something something else. I think, you know what, God, you know what I wish? I wish that that game's, like, the Arkham combat, in, in just completely identical, completely ripped off, had been applied to, like, Remember Me. Like, that game was trying to oh. be Arkham, but really, really failed. So that was, like, the one thing it was missing. That and... A world that you could do more stuff in. But, <laughs> I don't know. It needed to be a different game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> remember. <laughs> the title was good. The title was good. Yeah. Just... <laughs> except, except, also ironic because I've already kind of forgotten that game existed. Um, PS. And then you pawned it off on me. That's true. Have you played it yet? No, I haven't. Uh, too bad yet. It's it's a gem. Uh, P- yeah, you've really sold it so far. <laughs> PS4 Panic is likely. Love this title. As UK pre-order deals. Wait. Oh, this is cut off. As UK pre-order deadline looms, if you're hoping to get your hands on a PlayStation 4 this year, then you better pre-order one and sharpish. According to CVG, retail sources have told them that gamers who want to guarantee a PS4, this is in the UK on launch date need to place their pre-orders quote-unquote before next week. So apparently CVG has heard from its retail sources that Sony is saying the supply is going to dry up really soon. We're predicting launch shortages if this goes on for much longer. So they're telling people 
get your pre-orders in now. On the flip side, the U.S. has been kind of weird. Like, Sony had this unlimited pre-order session a couple weeks ago where people were just pouring in for pre-orders, and then they totally canceled it. They're like, okay, no more. And now Amazon was sold out of some bundles, and now they have some more. So it's all really confusing. At this point, if you haven't pre-ordered a PS4 yet, uh, you're not going to play it until 2014. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. That's foolish. But no, get on Amazon if you want your PS4. Go to GameStop, do whatever you're going to do, and make sure you've got that set. So that just about covers our recent news in the last week or so. So we'll jump right away to uh, a couple of our reviews. We've been posting quite a few in recent days. Uh, but first I want to quick go back to our freelancer Mike Deneen's review of the Genius Arcade Stick. Because, Will, you read that review and you bought the Genius Arcade Stick. And you've been able to try it out a little bit. So what do you think? Was he on the money with his review? 8.5, by the way. Can you hear the clicking? <laughs> yes. Like, is that the that's, that's that's the controller in action. In case anybody wanted to know. So how does it feel? It feels good. I mean, I haven't used it much. I mainly got it because I bought. Uh, I'm a, thanks to you, Kyle. I'm a huge Persona 4 Golden fan, or huge Persona 4 oh, fan. I yeah. watched the anime. You should, tell, you should tell Ernest to finish that game. Oh, this up. Oh, you have. Oh. <laughs> I have no words for you. Finish that yeah. now. Ernest, yeah. Ernest clearing his throat like he's a cool guy or something. But. <laughs> yeah, no, but you need to, that's, that easily, Persona 4 is easily one of, like, my games of the generation candidates, for sure. So you got the arcade stick anyway, to mainly play with Persona But I got the fight stick because I got Persona 4 Arena, because yeah. I want to do that. I I sat down and played, turned on once, in 20 minutes of, not even, like, in, like, 30 minutes of having the game running, there was only one fight, because the rest was story. Mm. So I got to play it a little bit using the fight stick, yeah. but it works. I mean, I use the tutorial stuff. It works really well. It's, uh, it was, I was surprised at how big it was, because I've never had a fight stick before. Mm-hmm. It makes it so much easier and for the combos and stuff for a lot of fighting games, but then also for just, like, regular platformers. I tried Goaka Melee with it for a little bit, and it was actually it was a blast. I mean, just running around and using it and just kind of nice. going back to old arcade times. Yeah, so. well, I'm glad when our reviews can actually help some of our readers and even our, I know, even our staff members. That was funny. Yeah, I mean, like that was the day. Like that day was when I decided I'm gonna probably I'm gonna buy Fight Stick, and I was looking on Amazon, and then I just clicked on PSU, obviously because I'm a part of that site to a degree. So it's like <laughs> obviously I'm gonna go to yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And and I just saw the review, and I was like, this is just a sign that I need to buy this, so I did. Nice. There you go. And it worked out well. Hopefully you get a lot of use out of it in the coming months oh, yeah. and years. And it connects to PC, too, so you can use it on there. And hope- like, it, you don't have to ju- adjust anything. Plugs right in. Works. And hopefully PS4. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Our next review, Stealth Inc., A Clone in the Dark, uh, Death is Inevitable, in Curve Studios' thought-provoking platformer. Steven Williamson reviewed this one. This was the first of the four games in the PSM Play promotion this summer. Gave it a 7.5 and said, It's a solid puzzle platformer with a retro look that will either frustrate or delight with its devilish designed challenges. He liked the great level design, an in-depth level editor, and pick-up-and-play appeal, but he disliked the fact that you die a lot. <laughs> Maybe that's just <laughs> Steven. Maybe he just sucks at stealth things. But, uh, no, no, no. I've, I've heard that this game can be pretty pretty wicked. Uh, originally called Stealth Bastard, actually. They had to change the name mm-hmm. for release on PSN. Which I always thought was kind of stupid, because every week you see, like, at least three new, like, pornographic themes at the store. So I don't know what Sony's doing over there, except for allowing scantily clad women on its official themes uh, distribution. Ernest, how many of those themes do you have? None of them, because they're real girls. (laughs) 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 Oh, I'm sad. (laughs) (laughs) 
McDonald's or something. Yeah, how's that burn on your arm feel, Ernest? Uh, so no, none of you guys have played Stealth Inc.? I know I haven't. Um, I don't know. It looked fun. It, it's one of those things where it's not, not an expensive game by any means, so if you're looking for something to play on Vita, definitely give it a look, at least. Then we get to Dynasty Warriors 8. Our own Dane Smith over in Nagoya, Japan, reviewed this and gave it a 9 out of 10. But Dane says, Dynasty Warriors 8 adds new features and options to breathe new life into this long-running franchise. Fans should get ready for the best experience in the series since Dynasty Warriors 3. That scares me. This tells me Dane's been like, religiously playing these games for the last like, <laughs> decade has. or more. I, I've, been, I've talked to him about it. Yeah, he, oh, he loves Dynasty Warriors. So. I, mean, more, I think I tried yeah. one once on PS2, and I was just like, okay, that's, that's it. That's enough. You know, I've I've heard it likened. I've heard this really good analogy. I mean, I I can't say if it's a proper analogy because I haven't played Dynasty Warriors. But you know that really satisfying feeling when you're like mowing a lawn of grass and you're just yep. like doing the lanes over and over again, burning. You know, it's 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 repetitive. But then you then you look behind you, you see the tall grass right next to the really short stuff, and you're like. Holy crap! I accomplished something. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think, except each piece of grass is a person. Yeah, right, exactly. I think I've, I've seen it likened where it's like I don't remember where I saw that, but it, it's it's this kind of the satisfaction comes from the tedium almost, and just like zoning out to this kind of endless slog of of murdering fellas. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, more power to them. It sounds like for fans, for core fans at least, Dynasty Warriors Eight is it's exactly what they want with its emotional soundtrack. Wide range, of, wide range of weapons, but unfortunately, some repetitive NPC models and some poor voiceovers. So we got was this a series that had? Uh, they said it was a uh, at E3 one time. They said it was based on historical fact, and then a giant crab. <laughs> oh, that was uh, that was Genji yep. Days of the Blade, wasn't it? Oh, that's okay. I just I, that's what I yeah, thought yeah, was yeah, this yeah. one. It's like, Honestly, okay. I mean, like I've seen pictures though; they kind of look the same to me. <laughs> but I'm gonna get ripped on by some Dynasty Warriors fans for that. I'm sure. We're not. We're better than Genji. Screw that game. The game was broken. <laughs> At least the PS3 one. No trophies either. Came too early. Uh, no, it was broken. Pixel Junk. <laughs> it's bad. Poor, bitter memories that Tim has of this game. Um, Pixel Junk yes. Monsters Ultimate HD, the fourth Pixel Junk Monsters release, if you count the Encore expansion way back when. But you guys all know Pixel Junk Monsters. This is a really early tower defense classic, you could say, on PSN, although it kind of came before like PlayStation Network's heyday, so maybe a lot of people haven't played it. But Pixel Junk Monsters Ultimate HD is the Vita re-release in high definition, and I reviewed this and gave it an 8.5 out of 10. I said the latest Pixel Junk Monsters lives up to the series' pedigree and makes no concession on punishing gameplay while still delivering undeniable fun over dozens, if not hundreds of hours. Um, so I liked rewarding tower defense gameplay, uh, splendid visuals and score, but I disliked uh, what I thought was um, honestly really kind of cruel trial and error. Like, I mean, I understand, you know, getting your ass kicked a few times by a stage as you kind of get a feel for, okay, this is the wave of enemies that's coming at this time, and this is how I should prepare for it. But it honestly gets to the point, even on normal difficulty, where the first few, you know, maybe four or five waves if you don't put a tower in exactly this position, I mean, you have enough time to, say, set up, like, four or five right off the bat, right? If you don't put them in exactly this position with exactly this type, something will get by you. And there's, like, you know, there's hundreds of trees in the level and only a few that actually are effective for planning your towers. So that kind of attitude just really sort of turned me off, and I was like, this is, like, 
this is obnoxious, you know? This part in particular is not fun. But the game itself is really cool, and when it's when it's playing well, I really enjoyed it. Um, have any of you guys have uh, Pistol Junk Monsters experience? Mm, not me, no, no, unfortunately. Really? No. Oh, nobody. Ernest? Mm, no. It is a really good time, though. I, I highly recommend it if you're looking for tower defense gameplay on PS Vita, because it's a very, very polished port, and you can tune it down to casual. Um... Q Games tweeted at me after the view went live and said, you know, you're supposed to play on casual if you're a new player. And I went, oh, nobody told me that. <laughs> but it's a blast, and I quite enjoyed reviewing it. Probably enjoyed it much more than Richard Archer enjoyed reviewing Super Frog HD. <laughs> so this is a HD remake of the Amiga platformer Super Frog by Team 17, the Worms, Worms Armageddon Studio. Uh, Richard gave it a, a 2 out of 10. That's rare. Sometimes you just like seeing those numbers because of the novelty of it, you know? It's like, Jesus, what did what did this game get wrong? <laughs> but he called it a poor 2D platformer that has no redeeming features. Uh, don't waste your money on this drivel. But he did like that the PS Vita control is surprisingly decent. Uh, but terrible art direction, poor level design, and what he perceived to be jerky movements, uh, cheap-looking visuals, and some really poor hit detection, so... Um, that's a shame about Super Frog. Rest in peace. Uh, just, that, that review just makes me more curious to try it for myself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you gotta, you gotta wonder what, you know... Because when people have that strong of a reaction to something, it's hard to know if that's, like, if that's actually how the game is, or if that's just personal preference. I wonder, too, because we were, And it's we were really like... hard to detach yourself from both of those when you're reviewing a game. Like, if it's something yeah. that strong of a reaction. So, I'm really curious now. We really, um, we were one of the lowest scores for this game, too. I kind of took a look around after I read Richard's review, and I was like, there's, you okay. know, some, some mediocres, some, like, sixes and sevens here and there, and then a couple, yeah. like, eights and nines. I would assume that's, like, people, uh who either maybe loved the classic or just something about this game really resonated with them. But yeah, every once in a while you get a really divisive game like this, so if you loved Super mm -hmm. Frog back in the day, by all means, uh, check this one out, because I'm sure it's going to tap into that nostalgic sense. I guess as, as you know, objectively as a new game, it doesn't hold up well. So, mm -hmm. then, just today, uh, Dane Smith also posted Dragon's Crown reviews. So this is a really big one for PS Vita and PS3, uh, Atlas and Vanillaware, coming back after some of Vanillaware's classics like Odin's Fear and Grim Grimoire. Dane thought that Dragon's Crown was a stunningly beautiful beat-em-up turned RPG. Uh, Atlas and Vanillaware make a strong case for the greatest tag team in modern gaming. Dragon's Crown is a brilliant reimagining of a classic genre that wields the depth of an RPG while keeping core elements intact. He loved the artwork, he loved the original take on some of the classic high score system, and loved its depth, which isn't usual or typical for beat-em-ups like this. But he didn't necessarily care for the soundtrack, and he thought that it takes too long for some of the game's elements to unlock as you play through. Like, uh, I know that online multiplayer, you actually have to like beat half the game before that's available. And um, yeah. like, there's there's difficulty settings and level caps that only get unlocked once you beat it once or twice. So, but yeah, Dragon's Crown. Are you guys interested in this? Comes out next Tuesday. Oh, big time! Nice. I was a huge fan of. Oh, was that PS2 game at the end of the? Odin's Wow. Odin Sphere. I absolutely yeah, yeah. love that game. That's interesting. You know, I never, I never bought in on Vanillaware stuff. I think I'd already kind of like my mind had moved past some of the really the, that last wave of PS2 hits. You know, mm. interesting though. You like that? Oh, it's super awesome. You, if you really want to, you can get the PS2 download on PSN oh, of that's Odin Sphere. Right, it is a PS2 classic. It's <laughs> super. It absolutely super. That would be the second PS2 classic I've purchased. Um, 
I bought Persona 3 FES, and then I immediately regretted it, because that game does not hold up well. Persona 3 Portable <laughs> nope. is so much better. <laughs> um, Alright, so that basically wraps up our reviews and recent news, so we're finally caught up on some of the stuff that's been going on the last week. Um, so let's move into some reader questions. We put off the call on Twitter and Facebook, as we usually do, to kind of see what is on people's minds. So I'll just kind of, you know, you guys just jump in if you, you know, an answer hits you. Otherwise... If you're quiet, I'll call on you like your grade school teacher. But Yay. <laughs> let's see here. So, okay, here's a good one. Um, Chris Nihan from Twitter, Nihan, wants us to talk a little bit about H-Hour World's Elite. I don't know if you guys remember this. This was out on Kickstarter in, within the last month, and it's like the SOCOM spiritual successor. There's mm-hmm. some guys from the SOCOM team working on it, and he wants to know what we think this SOCOM spiritual successor, from an indie team no less, what it could mean for the PS4 and this audience that, you know, is feeling left in the dark now that Zipper Interactive is closed. We don't need sequels. And with the way it looks, this is going to be essentially a new IP. Mm-hmm. And a new IP, uh, new Sony-based IP coming into the new console would be perfect. Yeah, I didn't look into it closely enough. I don't think it's a PlayStation exclusive, but it's definitely still going to hit that niche that has really kind of gone lacking lately. I think um, that tactical shooter, we had a couple outings on PS3 with SOCOM Confrontation and SOCOM 4, which came out with, like, the worst possible timing. (laughs) But, (laughs) yeah, and even Saturday here now that those servers, along with Mag, are going to get shut down in January, but, you know, with zippers being closed, you can only only pay for the servers for so long, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But no, I think there. I think there is an audience for a tactical shooter like HR Worlds Elite. Uh, like I said, I haven't dug super into that Kickstarter campaign because it's not, you know, it's not my cup of tea. But I know it was really successful and it resonated with a lot of fans and really attracted that audience. And I know that I mean, SOCOM was just so freaking huge on PS2, and I just think with PS3, it got overshadowed a little bit once the online kind of landscape really, really started to take off. Mm-hmm. So if that game's going to succeed on PS4, I think it's going to be a product of how big that audience really is, and whether and really how active the community gets. I mean, if you kind of like you're playing your you're playing your H hour, you're streaming it online, you're like posting videos to your favorite H hour forum, and you keep yourself so kind of intertwined as a community and not share so much with the outside world. You know, you have to these the, the fans of H hour have to be champions for the game if it's really going to tap the broader consumer base who doesn't, you know, who might like a SOCOM game, but they're not thinking about it every day. Oh, for sure. Yeah, That's that's my thought on uh, on HR World's Elite. It doesn't seem like, like Will and Ernest have much SOCOM love. I couldn't yeah, get into the series. <laughs> Ernest loves his Call of Duty. You're so excited for that multiplayer reveal. <laughs> Although you kind of you kind of fell out of Black Ops 2, didn't you? You didn't play that multiplayer for too long. Nah. I, I've never really liked Treyarch's Call of Duty, so... Well, you didn't surprise Why me. Why not? It's like nitpicky things. I think the hit detection's a little bit better on Infinity Wards. And also, uh, I didn't really like the pick 10 system that much. Oh, that was the big change for Black Ops 2, right? They kind of, uh, like, upped the ante with the customization and had you, you know, you, kind of like The Last of Us, right? I don't know if you've jumped into The Last of Us multiplayer, but you have a certain number of points to spend on what you equip. You're not a fan, huh? Not really, no. <laughs> Well then, Sorry. maybe 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 H hour will be right up your alley. Who knows? But thank you for the Ooh. thank you for the question, Chris. Uh, your your new favorite game might just be enough to draw Ernest away from his favorite series. 
Uh, Christopher James Harris writes on Facebook. He's all right. He's got five questions, uh, so we're gonna make this super oh, quick. <laughs> They're yes or no, right? So, um, oh okay. So, all right, I'll answer the first one, then I'll just go around. Do you think the PS4 will launch end of October, like many are predicting, to get a head start? I hope so. No, <laughs> no, no. Mm. Mm, okay. Second week in November. That's my prediction. That's concrete. Like that. That's tight. That's a that's a tight window. Yeah, I'd say early November. I like that confidence, Ernest. Um. Yeah, I'd say most likely early November, but I'd like to see it, you know, end of October. Oh, hell yeah, give me that. That'd be perfect, right around yeah. Black Friday, yeah. that'd be perfect. Just in time for me to finish Beyond Two Souls and say goodbye to my PS3 forever. No, I'm kidding. I wouldn't do that. Number two, do you think Sony will ever buy Crash Bandicoot's rights? No. 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 <laughs> no. I want them to, right? <laughs> badly. Number three, what do you think of Abe's Odyssey's new and tasty, or Abe's Odyssey new and tasty being available on PS4 and not Xbox One? Well, that's awesome. I think that's just a reflection of how open and inviting PlayStation has been to developers and really courting them, listening to them, seeing what they want, developing PS4 accordingly, and, you know, reaching out not in the corporate sense, not like talking to them being like, okay, we have this partnership, you're publishing on our platform for this window of exclusivity, but just being super cool about it and saying like, hey, here's this PlayStation Hearts devs campaign, here's some t-shirts for you guys to wear at events, like, thanks for thanks for coming over to us, thanks for buying into what we're doing, so... I mean, I'm not an I'm not an Oddworld fan myself, but I just think that it being exclusive to PS4 is indicative of this really cool independent trend that we're seeing. This shift to PS4. Oh, certainly. And considering a lot of the older uh, Oddworld games are available on PS3 or the PS Vita right now, uh, it's a great opener for people who haven't experienced it right. and they have opportunities to play the other ones. Yeah, and a lot of yeah remakes coming out. I know you can play Stranger's Wrath on Vita. I heard that was a good one. Never touched that. Um, it's hard. But it's fun. Nice. How the trophies? It's hard. Uh, it's uh, it's somewhere around like a ten hour platinum, oh, so it's not too know. bad. You but, would know. But it's hard. It's <laughs> it's very challenging. But it's it's engaging. It's fun. It's it's an, it's hard in a good way. It's not like I pick, I turn it on and go shit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think <laughs> I it's it's your first. Thing. Is that your first Abe's game, or is that... In a dedicated fashion, yes. Okay. I have played other ones, but it's been very brief. But this is a good... You feel like this is a good one to just jump into? Um, it's not really like a platformer in the, the 2D sense, so yeah. uh, it depends on how you look at it. I, I guess if you're more into like 3D games, it's a good place to experience the style before you go into other ones. So, yeah, from a completely ignorant standpoint, I would say it's a good place to start. <laughs> so stay <laughs> ignorant, Will, before you jump Fair into the world. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right. Chris, Christopher continues asking, do you think Sony will make a PS4 media remote? Yes. Probably? Uh-huh. They should. Those are like $35. I'm sure they will. Yeah. I mean, it just seems like a really obvious thing to me. Like, yeah, you, okay, here's your... Here's your PS4 remote. It's on your Walmart shelf. Go buy it if you're looking for a remote. Like That's what they're saying in their <laughs> offices. I mean, you're right. It's just a peripheral they can kind of push out, and I would imagine, I mean, they're definitely marketing PS4 less as a media machine and more as a games machine, but it is still a Blu-ray player, uh, an expensive Blu-ray player, mind you, but obviously, because it's not just a Blu-ray player. So yeah, they'll probably make a media remote. Uh, number five, his last one. Do you think Sony will allow you to turn off the always-on USB charging on PS4? I ima- oh, I imagine he means that uh, you can charge your controllers when the system yep. is like off or sleeping or whatever. So mm-hmm. it seems like a weird. I don't know why you would want to turn it off? Yeah, I hope not. Because if I don't, if I don't need to charge my cons- my controllers, I don't have them plugged in. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't think I don't think they would have implemented that as a feature if it was actually going to be an issue of power consumption and like significantly increasing your drain on your your home electricity. 
I think this maybe this is what he's saying for like energy efficiency. Like I'm not charging my controller, so why is it able to do that? But well, I mean, I wouldn't think it would cause any kind of extra thing anyway. No, just have no. extra current running through the USB and not just stopping right before it in the <laughs> system. I mean, if it's plugged in, it's going to draw yeah. power no matter what. So if mm-hmm. you have that much of an issue with power consumption, just unplug it. I mean, how does electricity work? That's my question for the next podcast. Lightning everywhere. <laughs> I was going to say, because I, I love to tell this kid about like currents and shit, but I have no idea what I'm talking about. So, our last reader question comes from Adrian Cole, uh, at Obiade Kenobi on Twitter. And I think nice. this is a pretty good question and could make for our topic of the week as we come into our last kind of 10-15 minutes here. He asks, what does the future hold for the Vita? An upgrade? Or do you think it will be rejuvenated once the PS4 is out? And he even used the hashtag Unchained. I'm super happy about that. Nice. So yeah, let's call this our topic of the week. So uh, w- actually, this is pretty timely because we just heard some news the other day about, or earlier today, about Wii U's uh, previous financial quarter sales, which are abysmal. I'm not saying that as like a PlayStation fan, as a PlayStation writer. I'm saying that as like objectively terrible. Like Wii U sold, I believe, 170,000 units in the last entire financial quarter, and I think that's globally. And then there's like a million in software sales. Whoa. In the same period, the 3DS sold about 3.4 million units. So compare that to the, again... 170,000 Wii U sold. Now, I don't know how PS is doing compared to that. I imagine it can't be that bad, because that's just scary. But PSV, yeah, but it, I mean... Interesting thing about Vita is uh, J- Sony, at least I think Sony Japan, they group the Vita numbers with PSP. <laughs> what? So they have one, yeah, they have a category that's PSP and Vita, and so it's as a way to sort of, I guess, mask um, maybe how, <laughs> yeah. how not good the Vita's doing. So they're just, like, trolling us? Like, basically, they're just trolling investors? <laughs> they're just like, like, yeah, you don't know how well the Vita's doing, see? <laughs> God. Our portables as a whole are doing okay. So, so Sony Japan as an entity is basically the fake Kazurai Twitter account. <laughs> yeah. Sadly, yeah. A parody of themselves. Well, that's weird. That's really strange. But I do think that Vita is doing better objectively than the Wii U right now, at least I imagine so, but on, you know, it isn't doing well, regardless, it's not really resonating with mainstream consumers, and you could definitely argue that there hasn't been an important blockbuster game in months, and really there hasn't, I mean, even stuff like Guacamelee, and a lot of the really cool indie games that have come out this summer, in the last few weeks, uh, Velocity, Hotline Miami, Pixel Junk, um, Thomas Was Alone, you know, weird little stuff like Jacob Jones, like, those games were awesome, but nobody's seeing them, like, nobody knows that stuff's coming out. So, I guess what Adrian wants to know, you know, from you guys, from the table, if, I guess, let's, let's tackle it one at a time, what does the future hold for Vita? Do you think an, an upgrade to the Vita hardware, like a new revision, is down the line at some point? Not necessarily in the next few months, but do you think one is in consideration or in development? Yeah. Ernest, do you think so? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it's just, it's Sony, you know, they they've done it before for every single console, whether it be a portable or, you know, a home console. Yeah. And I'm sure they'll find ways to, you know, make production of it cheaper and maybe make it like slimmer or something. I mean, Will and Tim, would you guys be interested if the, I mean, if they implemented 4G service in an upcoming Vita and made all online gameplay, all store browsing, all that stuff available over 4G with a contract? Would you consider the revision? No. Tim? Hmm. See, to me, it's uh, it, it's tough. You know, it would have to be 
something where maybe a year or two from now, and I'm I literally mean like two years from now, if they came out and said, okay, here's a 4G Vita, that you know every online function will work over 4G, maybe even you know they could even sweeten the deal. They could say you can choose your carrier. That would be ridiculous. Like they would yeah. go with AT and T. Um, but yeah, 4G can do everything. It's got maybe, let's say it's got HDMI out, right? So you're at home, pop it in your TV. That would tempt me for sure. Yeah, and then maybe say, okay, hey, now your your DualShock can run through, <laughs> can hook up to your Vita wirelessly because fuck it, and it works. Like, I mean, they would figure out some way to entice the deal. So let's say 4G HDMI out. Yes or no? Yeah. It's, it, it depends on the contract. What they're saying, what, what they would say with the 4G thing, like what the plan is for that. And if you could carry, if you could tack it onto like your current like cell phone carrier, that would be yeah. huge. Yeah, if it was just a contract, and if it was like you have like five gigs a month, that's you'd use that up so quickly. Oh yeah, just with online gaming, funny. So they can't just say like now you have four G, but you only have a couple gigs to use. Then it's worthless, and you're just paying for nothing. Right. So if it yeah, was just like popping in your SIM card, and then you know you just having to deal with your already current, uh, you know, cell phone provider. Like I already have unlimited data, so. Like the cap wouldn't really matter to me. Right. Yes, that's you fine. know that would be way more appealing. And I think some some like 4G enabled el- electronics like Samsung's Galaxy cameras and stuff like that are just you know whatever pop in any SIM and it works. I think the main thing that would be awesome for me on Vita is that I've been trying to stream shows uh, using the browser, but. It- for whatever reason, Sony has decided to leave Flash out yet again for another system browser. Mm, yeah. So you can't watch... You you have to search for... I don't even know how long to find any video on any site that works outside of YouTube. Yeah, so, and, then, and, then, and then you're still left... I mean, yeah, you're kind of awash in the sea of mediocrity that is the internet at large. Looking yeah, for something so it's just like work. something that... I, well, I shouldn't say something that simple because I have no idea how that how complicated the process of doing that would be and yeah. whatever the rights are, if there's any issues with that. But I mean, if they did that, that would be huge for the browser. Yeah, I mean, that's I, the, I can only imagine they would be doing that on PS4. They have to be. It'd be really interesting to see what kind of impact like a constant 4G back and forth connection for like online multiplayer would have on the battery. Like I imagine it would just drain the hell out of it. Like you'd maybe get two yeah. hours, more, yeah. like an hour and a half. Um, yeah. But but I do. Th- I mean that to me personally that would be the 4G alone would be tempting based on the contract. I think right now, like you guys said, I, I think their AT&T offerings are like what three gigs and ten gigs, or maybe it's even worse. Maybe it's like half a gig and three gigs or something like that. I don't have a 3G Vita, but. I, you know, it's especially with PS4 coming out and remote play, because you got to think that if that would become a thing, 4G, then remote True. play would work over 4G as well. And that would solve the problem where I'm thinking about now. When I get my Vita and I get my PS4, I'm going to be so stoked to play like Killzone and Infamous and Destiny on the go, but I'm only going to be able to do it where there's Wi Fi. And that's still great. Like, I could be over at any of your houses with my Vita, be playing Destiny on your Wi Fi connection with my save file back home. And that's awesome. Mm-hmm. But what about the, you know, what about the morning commute? What about when I'm just walking around campus and Wi Fi really sucks? You know, what about all these little situations? Because Wi Fi is not universal. So mm-hmm. that would be, that'd be something. 4G with remote play would really fix the one. One little hiccup that's in my mind about remote play moving forward. Yeah. 
Which it, well, it would it would have to be in a couple of years though, because 4G itself isn't universal yet either. That's true. It's yeah. it, I mean it would have to wait for a couple of years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but it actually kind of ties into the second part of Adrian's questions, which is so so we're basically at this point now. I should ask you guys. Have you been using your Vitas much lately? Because I think that's indicative more than anything of how the platform is doing, is how much activity we get out of it. Uh, so, Tim, you're doing a lot. Of, I mean, looking aside from the trophy hunting, how much are you really using your Vita objectively in comparison to your PS3? Uh, it's kind of like, it's kind of, well, at least with the way things have been, uh, and I would say mine are very extreme at this point, but I've been going back and forth. Like, I'll be in the middle of, like either a good game on the PS3 or a terrible game on the PS3 because I've been experiencing a lot of them lately, <laughs> both ones. And I'll just stop and pick up my Vita and play something for an equivalent amount of time. Right. Honestly, like I, I was getting a little burned out with the hefty dialogue of, uh, of Virtue's Last Reward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, with the way that anyway, with the way that the characterization was going, I was getting really just turned off on it. So I had I, for a long time I had it running on auto while I was doing other stuff. Oh, yeah. So it works out pretty well? That game does. I mean, that game has options for when you're just, yeah, wanting to kind of let it play and sort of passively participate. So with with that in mind, I would say that the the, vari- the sheer variety of the, v- of the Vita, at least at this point, makes it a contender to be used. It's not like the PSP where you only wanted to play Monster Hunter. <laughs> or, um, or Metal Gear Solid Portal Ops, in my case. Yeah, or even Metal Gear Acid, which wasn't nearly as good. Ooh. Uh, but <laughs> wouldn't talk about acid. <laughs> acid Square was pretty fun. Anyway, uh, what I to kind of answer the first question on top of it, I would say that the influx of games isn't going to change for the Vita, but it's going to be more palpable with the ability to play PS4 games on it. So you'll have Vita games in the normal flux that it is now, but yeah. it won't seem as bad when you're going to be playing games on your PS4, like when you're at school, for instance. Exactly. Or like you're at a at a family reunion, and you hook up to the internet. You're playing PS4, and then you play something on your Vita. <laughs> it's it's going to be a very palpable device once the PS4 hits. So there's going to be that kind of content, even if it's there in like sort of it's a peripheral sense. It is still content, and you're still getting some use out of it. What about you, Ernest? Yeah. I mean, would you think you know is Vita in critical condition right now? How much are you using yours? I know the I answer to this it's... already, but I want you to say it to the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, I mean. I don't use it a whole lot. It's mainly for playing <sighs> Hatsune Miku Project Diva F, and also some <laughs> Barrel I Five. Um, you play that, huh? That's hot. Yeah, yeah every now I and then. I didn't know that about you. I didn't know you were a uh, Miku fan. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I do think it's it's in kind of a bad state right now. That needs to find. I I mean I hope it's successful with finding like the sort of indie niche that's going for, I think that's kind of the key um, for it right now is to find a successful niche. Uh, like, over in Japan, it's become kind of a otaku device with games like Hatsune Miku, Photokano, uh, and lots of visual novels like Steins Gate, Fate State Nights being released on that. it. What the hell does that, that mean? <laughs> I want visual novels on the Vita. Uh, I have, I know, I those will be awesome, friends, for sure. Right, A couple mm-hmm. friends have talked about like even comic outlets. I would throw money at my Vita if I could buy Batman comics on it. Ooh, yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, you just got to think of uh, a comicsology oh, app would be crazy. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I mean, like in yes. Japan, they have like an app that is like for comics, manga, um, and so like, why don't we have something like that over here for you know, uh, like ebooks and graphic novels and stuff? Yeah, for sure. 
It's rough. I mean, that's it does seem like, you know, they, they commit themselves really, really intently to one particular path. And right now it's courting those indie developers and putting those fun, small, easy-to-develop, easy-to-port experiences on Vita. And I'm sure they've got some major surprises left. Gamecom is right around the corner. We could see anything from... I mean, Fez, FTL, like all that stuff could still be coming to Vita because it's that popular right now. But that's not the stuff that resonates. And I was just thinking, Ernest, and it was something you said, I don't remember what, but I was thinking about the the big hits on, on so like, of this generation, right? So Bastion, Braid, and, and Sony is courting so many indie games right now that I almost wonder if somewhere in the next couple of years there's going to be a few really great indie games that are like actually bastion or limbo quality, but they're not going to be recognized or remembered for as long because there are so many games like that on the platform. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like the, the yeah, like yeah, the yeah. crowd is so busy. It's like sat- it's it's saturation. It's exactly. Saturation. So even yeah. when something is great, it doesn't stand out in the way that that Braid and Bastion did and goes on to become something legendary. It's just an awesome game for a couple of weeks that people forget about. Yeah, that we could see the indie market. Um, you know, a lot of that stuff as a whole just become devalued by just like mediocre or worse games um that's something that happened with the the manga market in the US that they just started licensing everything and throwing and publishing everything out there right. whether it be like actually good and then as a whole the whole uh industry just sort of fell apart yeah you can't you can't be stimulated by a surprise if you're already desensitized to everything that the yeah I heard somebody chuckle if you're already desensitized to everything that the uh market has to offer so let's get one soundbite from each of you then uh where is Vita now so would you say a critical condition healthy going places where is it right now, and what's the one thing that it needs for you to turn around and really pick up steam uh, i guess what what do you what's the one thing you think it really needs? Uh, Tim. Killzone. Next month. Mm, yeah, it's right around the corner. I'm super excited. Absolutely excited. I'll tell you right now, it plays well. Uh, the build I played back mm. in January was really fun, and it definitely felt more like Killzone 2 than Killzone 3. Yes! Uh, yeah, because of the weightiness and some of the stuff that I really liked about 2. But, mm. alright, Killzone, yeah, the blockbusters are right around the corner. Ernest, what's your one thing? It needs a really addictive, big, like, triple-A title. Something maybe like Pokemon or Monster Hunter. God, Pokemon! Yeah, Pokemon! That really, like, really pushes that social aspect. Yeah. That, you know, your friend and that other friend you have, they're all playing this, and so you have to go out and buy VDS so you can go and play with them. Something, yeah, I think think the addictive quality is what's really going to push that. I mean, I think about like Animal Crossing, right? Like everyone's talking yeah. about Animal Crossing on Twitter and stuff like that on 3DS. And I already had a Vita for or excuse me, a 3DS for Kingdom Hearts, but I literally hadn't played my 3DS in like 7 months. And then everyone was talking about Animal Crossing and it's so addictive which just vicariously pushes you to be talking about it on your social channels and in front of your friends and stuff like that. So so addictive qualities, you think? That's what Vita should grab onto to help push itself to mainstream. Yeah. Yep. Will, how about you? I think it definitely be headed more. In, I don't think it. Well, my perspective it doesn't need anything. I mean, it's it just people need to recognize how they just they don't seem to recognize how good it is. I mean, it's definitely the best handheld ever to come out in my opinion for gaming, mm. and it's got tons of games. But I think it what it would need to persuade people would be like a kill zone, 
that'll be coming out, or just some really strong Western game, because there's tons of like JRPGs that you can get, either past ones or ones in development or whatever. Because yeah. like Persona 4 Golden, I lost months to that game, and I'm still going to go back to that. But I mean, if there's a, I don't know, I'm just trying to think of some kind of equivalent. It's hard for me as somebody who's grown up with like PlayStation. It's kind of strange to say, but I can't think of a really good game title that would just sell a handheld. Well, you know, I think like, it's... I mean, like, for Microsoft, like, if Microsoft came out with a handheld, they'd have a Halo on it, and that would right. sell like crazy. Yeah. Or, like, I mean, like, Nintendo, they have those iconic characters of, like, Mario, and they have all those things, like Zelda, and can sell systems easily. I think but. your thought, I think your thoughts kind of link it to mine, which is that, you know, the game that I was thinking of, you need something that's really going to captivate an audience, like Persona 4 Golden, which yeah. was a good step. It was just too kind of mm-hmm. unknown of a name, I think, to really hit yeah. people. But if you had something like, I mean, I lost, you know, you said you lost months to Persona 4, I lost months to Metal Gear Solid Portable Ops on PSP. Yeah. I mean that literally, like I spent months in high school playing that in our school library, just, you know playing the game over and over again, collecting new characters, so I think a really big franchise, which, by the way, Metal Gear Solid is one that isn't on Vita yet, or your God of Wars, or your, uh, I guess we already have an Uncharted, but, you know, there are those big ones, especially, I think, Metal Gear Solid, with a notable absence on Vita, so... I think think something with a more of a Western Western flair would encourage sales in the U.S. more, like, like a new, like a Fallout game or something. Like, oh, that would man. be amazing on that, or just, like, a, a Mass Effect title. or something. Like, that would be... I mean, I wouldn't put it down for... I don't even know how long to, like, finish those if they came out. But, yeah, like, right. a Bethesda title would be awesome. Or, and I think it's going to have to come... I think it's going to have to come from an established IP like that, because nobody's taking yeah. risks on Vita. Like, you're never going to see the next yeah. Fallout from a brand new title. It's going to have to be... Like a Fallout spinoff or the Bioshock yeah. spinoff that's gone yeah, absolutely Bioshock nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. That would be I mean, the great push. Like really, that, that would be yes. the one thing. If Kevin, if Ken Levine is going to be like, this is something you should do, then everyone's going to go, well, Ken Levine. Well, Ken, <laughs> well, let me just get on board with you then. Yeah, that's yeah. I think I think I, I agree with a lot of what a lot of other writers and editors out there have been saying. It's just that it needs Sony needs to support it first. They have to take that chance of putting all of their support behind it and make these huge titles to get the other third-party people or to support it mm-hmm. like it should be supported. They need to take the big risk first. They can't just expect developers to be like, oh, we should make for it, when half of them are going out and making mobile games. Well, it sounds like we're unified in opinion. It's not dead yet. It's still breathing, no. but it's down on its luck, and it's... You know, it's. Uh, I guess I would liken it to the, the near the end of Die Hard when Bruce Willis already has like twenty shards of glass in him and he's like bleeding <laughs> out, but he's still like climbing the frickin' skyscraper to chase down Hans Gruber. Like it's happening. Like there's stuff on the horizon and there are ways to turn this boat around. But I think just, the Vita is just like the middle child in his family. <laughs> it's just like there's like the old established kid who's like getting like in college just about to graduate so everyone's excited and Vita's like a teenager who's just kind of like in high school he's entering his angsty phase yeah and then the PS4 is like the new baby on the way that everybody's excited for and talking about so it's just I think things will settle down once the PS4 comes out and then also with the completely blank on the word but the remote play functionality is definitely going to be huge so I wish we had time to uh, talk about the three of us's angsty phase from high school. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but we are coming up on the time, and I know that Mike wants us to 
not go off on our U.S. Uh, tangent and have a party without him. So, yeah, that's our that's our conclusion on Vita. There's definitely places it can still go, but these things need to happen fast, and the big games need to come, the big, captivating mainstream sellers. So, we're bringing this episode of PlayStation Unchained to a wrap, uh, but just to keep people updated... Oh, wait, we didn't talk about what we're playing. Well, we kind of sort of slid that in there, right? I mean, Will's playing mm-hmm. Azuya. Will's got his emulators. Ernest has got his Hatsune Miku. <laughs> did you finish The Last of Us, Ernest? Yeah, I did, like, uh, probably two, two to three weeks ago. Oh, okay, there you go. I'm, I'm yeah. way behind you, then. All right. Nice going. <laughs> and yeah. How'd you... Oh, we shouldn't talk about that. Yeah. Another time. <laughs> Tim, what are you playing right now, other than everything? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much everything. God, uh, your Facebook page is just like... It's like... It's like the dumpster where you just see <laughs> ref. It's where you I just see you it? see refuse from all the windows of the office Don't building above this. it. So it's like all these diverse <laughs> interests, like fucking Back to the Future, um, Super Frogs, probably in there somewhere. Actually, I'm playing Back to the Future, and it's really interesting to see where uh, Telltale Games came from. Oh yeah, for sure. Because uh, this is a very watered down experience in terms of story, at least. Like, but yeah. in terms of deliverance, it's the same. Yeah, it is actually very similar. I, I would. I would imagine they're built on the same slightly modified engine, which mm-hmm. is why the bugs in Back to the Future still exist in Walking Dead. But Unfortunately. Yeah, I liked Back to the Future quite a bit, but I love that movie series as well. Um, well yeah. So I'm playing uh, Nino Kuni. Uh, it's been taking me so long to actually get through that game, but I started it early this summer uh, and just been kind of working through it in between reviews, and I'm really, really enjoying it. I mean, you get to that 20-hour point, and you're just like, you're invested at that point. You know, you're totally sold on the story and characters, which is where I'm at. So Nino Kuni, I'm, definitely probably a frontrunner for RPG of the Year at this point. I'm super excited for that one. August is going to be my RPG month, starting with... Tales of Zillia, and then it's going to probably be uh, Final Fantasy XIV. Oh, that's right. That does launch next month. Is that mm-hmm. the first week of August, or is it later? Oh, is no, it's week? late. Oh, okay. That gives me plenty of time to invest in others. Nice, man. I, I hope you enjoy if it. I, oh, I'm super excited. If I end up having time between uh, Zillia and fourteen, which I don't see happening, uh, I'm going to start Nino Kuni then. Oh, there you go. Yeah, and then totally get lost and lose track of it once 14 comes out. We should mm-hmm. take this opportunity to pimp our own forums, though. We now, we've recently instituted a uh, Final Fantasy 14 sub-forum, and I know Chili's really leading the charge, and Yuichi on some of our, our guild organization efforts and servers. We're all really excited for the game, so hit up the PSU forums to talk about Final Fantasy 14. Uh, other, yeah, Tim, you're reviewing Tales of Zillia. That's coming out next week. Um, yep. Other stuff this month. Will, what are you tackling? Splinter Cell Blacklist. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. I've, I was just telling somebody the other day, I think like I could play through that first game on muscle memory alone at this point. <laughs> I still think after all these years, like I can just hear like Sam's gravelly voice, Graven's daughter, what is know, that's, that's, that's the one let down, but it makes sense about Michael Ironside not coming back to voice, give voice to the give voice to Sam, but yeah, it makes sense because sure. they wanted to capture all, everything at the same time, which they can't really do that with him since he's a little old man now. <laughs> exactly. It'd be kind of difficult. That'd be really awkward. Huh? Be I hope he listens to the podcast to hear you. Michael Ironside's like, man, that is hey, bullshit. He's epic, but he's also yeah, he's on great. site. He's on site coaching, well not, he's like kind of like giving feedback to the new guy about Oh, like perfect. Where where he came from with his approach to the character and telling him like make it his own, but he's also like he's just giving them that perspective of where 
his mind was coming up with characters mentality or Fisher's mentality and all this stuff and just kind of feeding that. So that made me way more comfortable when I heard that. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Definitely. And also the online looks sick with the spies versus mercs. I watched some videos of that and that looks awesome. Yeah. Never really got to try that in the PS2 days because of how weird the PS2 was with, uh, mm-hmm. excuse me, online multiplayer. But mm-hmm. yeah, definitely looking forward to reading your thoughts. But coming out on the same day as Splinter Cell is Saints Row 4. I'll be handling that review. And XCOM... Hey, Chief. <laughs> Baby. <laughs> Nolan North and Troy Baker as options for the male lead's voice. Uh, no, that's pretty awesome. And Neil yeah. Patrick Harris is in it. That's right. Oh. Yeah. That's going really weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> MP- like, they're going to call him NPH, too. Like, you know it. Like, that's just going to be a thing. But, and Keith with David the- as Keith David. <laughs> that makes me so happy. I'm really excited to jump into that game. I'll probably be starting that up in the next week and then look forward to our review closer to release. And then that same day, still August uh, like 20th. 20th, is it? Okay. Saints Row 4, Splinter Cell Blacklist, and X, uh, the Bureau, XCOM, XCOM Declassified, the uh, the long-awaited third-person shooter-type spinoff from the XCOM series. Uh, so a little more of an action vibe, but still... Uh, still some overhead strategic elements. Uh, Dane Smith's going to be handling that review out of Japan. That's good. Where he, yeah, I imagine him like sitting in his like little Ernest. What do you call those really tiny like Japanese apartments? Like, all right, Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Drift. White boy stays in a tiny Japanese apartment. Does that have a name? Is it just a house? It's just like apartment, right? Slow, slow down. How do you pronounce it? Apartment. <laughs> Apato. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they pronounce it. The short version of part right. is a yeah. Um Okay. Yeah. He's not in a capsule hotel. Like one of those. <laughs> <laughs> no, those look sweet, though. I saw one of those in Deus Ex Human Revolution. That was legit. Oh, yeah, yeah they did have them there. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that was in Shanghai. That was a good time. Yep. Love that game. Uh, and then uh, Payday 2, that's coming out August 13th. We have Lazar Odic handling that review, so look forward to that. And then we'll just be kind of rolling deep into the holiday season and eventually hitting stuff like uh, Kingdom Hearts HD, Beyond Two Souls, Grand Theft Auto V. I keep, for whatever crazy reason, forgetting about that game. I still think wow. Rockstar is just trolling us at this point. Like, I don't actually think that game's ever going to come out. <laughs> like, it doesn't seem real to me, you know? It's just been so long. But hope it's good. That game looks amazing already. It's it gonna does. be a great variation of gameplay, and I'm super excited. Yeah, especially was... after playing four. I'm almost platinum that game. <laughs> Jeez, it's gonna be a breath of fresh relief when you go to something that's actually like fun to play. I mean, four yes. is, four is not aged well. I love four. Don't get me wrong. I love four, but Rockstar's like mechanics and systems have come so far since four, yeah. especially with and, Max Payne. Yeah, especially nowadays, that four is broken in terms <laughs> of gameplay style. Yeah, All <laughs> of, especially if you're trying to platinum it. I know. I remember your frustrations with that. All I have is the online stuff. So, oh, you're still I got, working. I got it. to the key to the city. I'm done with all the uh, store, the uh, single player stuff. I just need to do online. All right, man. Well, good luck to you in finishing that off whenever you have free time in the next year and a half. <laughs> all right, but that yeah, that covers our upcoming reviews. And I just want to say, I mean, thanks to everyone for listening in this third episode. Um, hey, round of applause, guys. The U.S. U.S. side took over for this one. U.S.A. U.S.A. <laughs> you, you. Yeah, no, it was fun. It was awesome to have this conversation with you guys. We don't get to do this enough, so very happy to produce this podcast for our listeners. Um, so now it's it's uh, it's pimping time. So 
Visit the site, obviously, PlayStation Universe, PSU.com, for all your gaming news, every PlayStation platform. We're on Twitter. We do that tweet thing at PSU.com, all spelled out. And then why don't we just go around, do our Twitter profiles. I'm Payback Prawl, uh, P-R-A-H-L. Tim? I'm Boss Snake, three S's, <laughs> one word. I always, God, I always got tripped up by that, the three S's. <laughs> Boss <laughs> Snake, yeah. Ernest? Uh, at Ernst Lynn, E-R-N-S-T-Y-L-I-N. Ernest, what other social networks are you on? Oh, boy. I'm on Vine. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Tumblr. I'm on Facebook. I don't know. <laughs> are you on After Snapchat this, I still? <laughs> what? Are you on Snapchat still? I am on Snapchat, yeah. Mm, gotta <laughs> love that Snapchat. Oh, Snapchat's awesome. <laughs> After this, I'm going to ask you to sell me on Vine. Okay. All right. Because I'm still... <laughs> I want you guys to record that conversation and then mail it to me. I mean, physically <laughs> mail it to me with a dictaphone, and then I'll listen to it in bed uh, next I, week. Will, where, where are you at? I'm at uh, Will to Game. So nice. Everyone should, on his, yeah. everyone should follow Will. He needs more followers. <laughs> I don't use Twitter at all, though. So fair warning. <laughs> so follow you. has got a lot of words. Out enough to talk. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, absolutely. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll do this again in a couple weeks when Mike and Chili and the UK crew take over the podcast again. Make sure to stay tuned to the homepage for our upcoming reviews. Read read about Dragon's Crown. Hit up the forums. Check out our ongoing trophy tournament. There's going to be some homepage posts for that. But yeah, let's wrap this up. Thank you guys for watching. Tune in next time. <laughs>